Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. As are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. We preached on that last Sunday. We talked about how Paul, he just kind of took this real turn and just kind of nailed him with something really, really, really negative about the law, meaning you're under a curse. You try to get to heaven by law keeping. So we already preached that. But now look at what he says in verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in, this is important, this we're going to park on, the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. It's Galatians, it's just chock full of biblical evidence that no man, no woman, no one can be justified by the law. You might be justified by the law in the sight of a court of law down here on the earth. You might be justified by the law within an issue at work or with your neighbors or between uh, friends and, and family. But in this text, in the sight of God, nobody cares how you're justified in the sight of man. What we want to look at this morning is what does God see? Everybody know God, God can see things? We want to know what he sees and we want to care about it. I have an opinion. You have an opinion. I have a standard. You have a standard. I have convictions. You have convictions. We just all need to be careful that it lines up with God's word. That's what we have to filter everything through. What does God say? How does he think? What's his opinion? And we want to go with that. In the sight of God, it shows up 13 times in the Bible, that phrase. Let's run a few of those. Uh, let's go back to Proverbs. Let's get Proverbs chapter number three. We'll start with that. Proverbs chapter number three, and let's start reading a very familiar Proverbs passage in verse number one. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. That's pretty good. We all know that. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor Watch this, and good understanding in the sight of God and man. There's some things that you can do here on earth that will bring favor not only in the sight of God, but in the sight of man. What are those things? Doesn't everybody, even if they're not saved, just find favor in somebody's eyes if they're honest? A Christian principle. <laughs> If they don't steal, a Christian principle. 
if their heart is just sweet? Another Christian principle. God and man can both look at that and say, yeah, that's yep, good. Keep doing that. We like that. You'll find favor with God and understanding, good understanding, if you let not mercy and truth forsake thee. God loves that. And even mankind down here, they can't connect the dots with it, but they know that's a good thing. Don't you find it curious that the world has no problem drinking it up, drugging it up, all types of adultery, all types of fornication. But as soon as a Christian gets called doing it, all of a sudden it's wrong. Why does the world know that? It's written in their heart. They know. They know it shouldn't be so. So we can find favor in the sight and of God by doing these things. But notice in this principle in Proverbs, it says nothing about being justified. Let's go over to uh, Proverbs chapter number six. Proverbs chapter number six, verse number 16. Another very familiar passage of scripture. A lot of this might be review for most, if not all of you. But I find reviews are good to just, by way of remembrance, bring these things right in the forefront. These six things doth the Lord hate. Verse number 16. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Uh, I don't know about you, but an abomination's pretty bad. <laughs> a proud look. A lying tongue. You know, a proud look, it just shows complete irreverence. It's 100% unkind. Ladies, your husband works all day. He's sweating. He's working. He's grinding. He comes home and you give him the look. God hates that. He does. Husbands, your wife's been working all day, homeschooling the kids, cleaning the floor, milking the cows, painting the house, mending the fence, power washing the driveway, and you come home and you look at her and say, how come dinner's not on the table? God hates that. That's proud. Kids all across this country, in school, mouthing off the teachers. It is full of pride. It ain't right. God hates it. It's abomination. Then it says a lying tongue. All that does is just reveal a wicked heart. I try to give grace. We all do. One of my kids lies. You got to deal with that thing. You got to deal with that thing. A 100% pure heart won't lie. Revelation 21 says, All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire, and in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You got to read the Bible. I don't think I quoted that exactly right. Have you lied? I've lied. Guess where our part is? The lake with burneth with fire and brimstone. Well, I guess we got a problem. We do, because we've all lied. Praise God. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
You've got to get into the truth so you don't go into a lake which burneth with fire and with brimstone. Praise God. I trust that Jesus Christ is my Savior. When I die, I'm going to be with him. If not, you're still in a lie. And when you die, you're going to go to hell. Then you're going to go to a, a, a white throne judgment. And then you're going to be cast into a lake of fire. And I don't want that for anybody and neither do you. That's why we must compel people to trust the Savior. We must do it. People are dying and going to a literal hell. And we must try our best to pray, would be to God, would you use us to get the gospel out to this lost and dying world? God hates lying. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. You just lack compassion. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Your mind don't develop these things. Your heart does. When it gets into your mind, comes out in your mouth, and in your action. Anybody want to guess how Walt Disney got a, a little witch stick in the hands of Mickey? Anybody want to guess how Walt got a, a magic hat on top of Mickey? Well, the Bible tells you why. <laughs> a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Anybody want to guess how Walt came up with a half-naked mermaid to swim around on the screen in front of young boys? That's a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Hate for it to be so quiet, but imagination's great. Creativity's great. I don't want wicked stuff. I don't want witchcraft. I don't want any of that junk. Where does it come from? It comes from the heart. And it says feet to be swift in running to mischief. That means they're ready and they're willing to do it. That means young people, when you're old enough to do what you want to do, when you're strong enough to beat up dad, <laughs> when you're bold enough to mouth off the mom, whatever it is, and you run as far as you can run, it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. Your feet are swift and running to mischief. That means your feet are ready, your feet are willing, and you're ready to take off. These are abominations to God. We take them lightly as Christians because it is so easy to look at the world and say, well, we're not that bad. And we're not. But in the sight of God, these things are an abomination. A false witness that speaketh lies. It's an abomination to God if you and I were to try to ruin someone else's reputation. God hates that. So with discord, verse number 19, we'll finish with, with this in Proverbs 6. He that soweth discord among the brethren. That's an abomination. If you don't like something, speak to the preacher. If you have a problem with a brother or sister, speak with the brother or sister. If you can't agree to disagree, if it's too much of a major issue, it's best to find a way to biblically part ways so that you don't sow discord among the brethren. It's a tough job, preacher. It really is. 
Because on one hand, as soon as you say something wrong, somebody's gone, which isn't biblical. On the other hand, nobody can say anything to the preacher for fear of the preacher's going to run them off. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a two-way street. Bless God, we got senior saints, that, uh, and, and they've come to me on different things. And I, I, look, I want to hear what they have to say. I, I'm ready to be corrected. I'm ready to be told, mm, maybe you should have said it a different way. <laughs> I mean, this is what it means to be a Christian. We got to get rid of the discord. I didn't say get rid of doctrine. I didn't say get rid of the stuff that's important. God don't want the discord. Okay, there's another abomination that I could either overlook or I cannot preach it for fear of <laughs> sowing discord. But let's go to Deuteronomy chapter number 22. And my intent is to read the passage. Lest we forget what the Bible says. Deuteronomy chapter 22, uh, verse number five. We'll get, off of, we'll get on this and off of it as fast as we can, I guess. But let's read the verse. And I won't even preach it. Let's just read it. And it'll preach to you. The Bible says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, well, that's not what it means. Well, that's what it says. <laughs> I didn't preach nothing. It's just if you read it and obey it and believe it, there's not a problem. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. How come nobody, I really think women have just been duped. I really do. Because if you read the Bible and if you believe the Bible, you couldn't come up in a million years with women putting on skinny jeans, a pair of short shorts, and waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, let me put on a pair of men's trousers. You couldn't come up with that in a million years. Well, unless you had uh, fashion designers that were just abominations to God, unless you had music. That was just an abomination to God, unless you had Hollywood movies that were an abomination to God, unless you had government run schools that hate God and are an abomination to him and want to put. You couldn't come up with it if you just read the Bible. How do you come up with it? People with abominable hearts come up. With it. That's how. If I walked in here Sunday. And I had a, a, a dress on and some earrings on. Everybody would say, preacher, you can't do that. Well, why not? You would say, what's well, an abomination to God? Well, you're being judgmental. I'm not saying anybody's not saved. I'm not saying anybody is more saved than someone else that isn't. That get. All I'm saying is you couldn't come up with it unless you soak yourself in front of the internet, Disney movies, Hollywood, the cesspool of that, and all this worldly music that has infiltrated the hearts and minds of our children. You think if you put these kids in front of listening to Billy Sunday sermons and listening to all the preachers of old and getting them in revival meetings, every, you think we'd have a difference in the way people dress? 
hey, it's preachers skirting around with a, you know, they got a slick haircut, a pair of ripped jeans on, and they're just cool and slick. They don't want a pulpit. They got a stage. They don't want this. They just want to sit on a stool and share. And yeah, here's the example. My wife jumps around in, in a mini skirt and in, 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 in uh, skinny jeans all week. Put it all on Facebook. Then it's time to go to the beach. And I'm telling you, God says that stuff's an abomination. These parents that have this grand idea that, yeah, I'm just going to let my kids wear whatever they want to wear. Who, who came up with that? Who told you that? Who convinced you of that? You need to consider these things. I never one time, I was as lost as any of you were lost before you got saved. Not one time when I was a lost man, did I get up and say, well, dad wants me to go to work. Let's put on a skirt. My dad would have took me out back and said, what's wrong with you, boy? Times have changed. We're getting, uh, times have changed so much that we're starting to see men run around in women's clothing. And it's normal. If anybody tells me this new normal thing again, I'm about ready to run through a wall. There's nothing normal about being a freak. It's just, it's just, it's just like people just, it's just like they just don't want to read God's word. All right, let's get off this thought. We'll wrap up this abomination. In God's sight, in the sight of God, there are abominable things. The froward is abomination of the Lord. Wickedness is an abomination. Sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. The way of the wicked is an abomination. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination. A false balance is abomination. Divers' weights are an abomination. Lying lips are an abomination. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination of the Lord. The thought of foolishness is sin and the scorner is an abomination of man. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. An unjust man is an abomination. God sees things and he says, it's an abomination. And people don't care anymore. We've put ourselves in this sewer of sin and this sewer of the world. We act like God doesn't see. And he sees. Everybody acts like they want to have revival. Everybody acts like they want to have a prayer meeting. Everybody acts like they want to witness the lost. Everybody acts like they want to do something for the Lord. But when push comes to shove, they don't want to look at things like God looks at them. And he says, I hate it. It's an abomination. We don't get serious about it. We don't. Everything's comfortable. Everything's padded. Everything's temperature controlled. Everything's nice and crisp and clean. I'm telling you, those things he says are an abomination. Proverbs 13, 9 says, It is abomination to fools to depart from evil. Well, isn't that interesting? I don't want to be a fool. If they were to depart from evil, to them, that's an abomination. 
Isn't that an interesting contrast? And get Psalm. Uh, now this is Acts 8 and 2 Corinthians. The Bible says Acts 8, um, verse number 21. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. We're not preaching on what's happening here in, in chapter number 8. I just want to draw out as we're, we're keying in on in the sight of God. We don't have time to preach everything in one sermon, but if your heart's not right, that's a problem. And the context here is, man, would it be nice to be able to have the power to lay hands on somebody, have them receive the Holy Ghost, and all this stuff's happening in Acts 8. And, man, let's pray for that, huh? I mean, think about living back in these days, and you can just lay your hands on somebody. You can do these miracles. You can do all these sign gifts that God gave for the apostles to confirm the word of God. Well, why? They didn't have Romans to go to. They didn't have the book of Philippians to go to. They didn't have these things, so they needed sign-working miracle, right? Okay, so what would you want? What gift would you want? And God says, you know, if your motive ain't right, your heart's not right, in the sight of God, he'll see that. You might gain favor with man. You might impress the people, but God wants to know, is your heart right? And he, in his sight, he will see that. If you and I have a motive for power, that is not the Holy Ghost. If you and I have a love for money, that is not from the Holy Ghost. God sees that in his sight. He knows your heart's not right. In Psalm 78, and I'll have to turn there, but the Bible says, Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Why? For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians. There's so much on the heart. We can spend a month and not exhaust it. But in the sight of God, he knows. Second Corinthians chapter number two. Verse number 17, the Bible says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. In the sight of God, speak we, we in Christ. This passage talks about what? Look at the verse. For we are not as many which do what? Corrupt the word of God. Well, how do you do that? Well, you change it. You alter it. You amend it. You correct it. Well, I think it should say. Well, a better translation would be, that's how you corrupt it. Or, that's one way you can corrupt it. Or you can just read it as it stands, believe it, and let God be true. But the other way you can corrupt it is, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> if, 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 if we all were to go out on Tennessee Tech's campus on Thursday, which we're going to plan on doing weather permitting this Thursday at 11, if we were to do that, 
And we would all go around purposefully being rude and offending people by the way we spoke to them with our tonality and the way we treated them with the haughty spirit and the haughty attitude. That would be unchristian. Even if we told them the Christian gospel. Okay, so, so let's park on that thought. And now let's go over to the other thought, which is the problem of today with these modern megachurch slick jeans and slick haircuts and laptops and cell phones. We're going to relate and share and we're all going to sing Kumbaya, throw in our fire stick. And we're going to act like all these young people got saved and they didn't. But rather than me just vent, let's get the point. Those preachers and those churches deliberately take out the offensiveness of the gospel to make it palatable to people. That is wrong. We have to have a right attitude, but we also have to have the right message. If we, in our flesh, with our attitudes, offend people, God says don't do that. If we make the gospel unoffensive so that we can gather more people, that's equally, if not more, offensive to God. What's the offense? The gospel. Do not, under the power of God's word, take out the offensiveness of the gospel. If it is not an offense to someone, it's almost like you can't even move forward. You know that God says you're a sinner? Who are you to judge? Well, I'm not. I'm just telling you what God says in his word. Would you mind reading it? That Bible has to convict them about their sin. They need to know that. We can go on and on on the gospel and how to present it. But for our topic this morning, it's you can't take the offensiveness. That is corrupting the word of God. The gospel is offensive, will always be offensive. And I will not. And I pray that you will not try to embrace this. Well, let's just be culturally relevant. How about we have the culture just get on board with what God says and I'll bring them up to speed. <laughs> You know, these scientists, well, we finally discovered, oh, you mean you finally caught up with God's word? Well, praise God and glory to his name. That happens all the time. Scientists think one way. That's why they rewrite their books every two years. Why? Because God's word is going to confirm it. Anyway, anyway. Don't water down God's word. All right, we're in Second Corinthians chapter number 17. Everybody okay? Let's, let's get back in this verse. All right, so look, watch what it says after someone corrupts the word of God. Watch what it says. But as of sincerity, as a church, we want to be sincere men, sincere women, and have honest children. We want to be as of sincerity. Then it says, but as of God, be a soldier under his command. Let God direct you. Let God guide you. Let him be your influence. Then it says in the sight of God, towards the end of the verse. Uh-oh. In the sight of God. There it is again. 
I mean, none of us would steal if the store manager wasn't looking, would we? Uh, I mean, none of us would cheat on our taxes if Uncle Sam wasn't looking, would we? None of us would, we could just go right down the line. Whatever it is, in the sight of God, in the sight of God, God sees. And it says, speak we in Christ. This guy said, I think it was two weeks ago when we were on tech campus. He said, um, well, which church are you with? I said, well, we're not here to promote our church. We're here to talk about the Lord. And what he did for you, do you know what would happen if you were to die today? Well, what church are you with? You see how they, they don't want to deal with what the issue is. They want to bring up a, 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 almost, almost a straw man argument, although they're not really trying to argue and they're not really putting it together like that. It's just that they just want to avoid having to deal with their soul. I have to tell them again. Well, I can tell you what church we are with, but first... Let's talk about what would happen to your soul. Where would it go if you died? And I went and told them what Jesus did for them. And why? Because I would rather get somebody saved and have them trust Jesus Christ than get them to come to church. And then so they don't, you know, die of, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, suspense. I told them, you know, Pilgrim Baptist Church, right up the road, you know, come on in any time. And. So when we're running a series on Thursday nights called Uncomfortable Thursdays. Come on in and we'll make you feel nice and uncomfortable. <laughs> but look, who are we speaking in? It's got to be in the name of Christ. We need to take that serious. Who do you serve? Who is our message from? And who do we come in the name of? All right, first, Timothy and first peter let's go to first timothy and first peter chapter number two. First timothy chapter number two the bible says for therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also that's what that's what we want here Thou, therefore, be a marshmallow, be a spiritual wind, be a snowflake, except that might be in one of the modern versions, but it's not what the Bible says. Endure hardness. Why do we give six-year-olds... Play-Doh to be creative at home. The mom needs a break from homeschooling. <laughs> Why are we giving 16-year-olds and 26-year-olds a little corner to have Play-Doh so that they can't, because they can't endure hardness? Why do we give our 7-year-old or our 4-year-old crayons? So they can be creative, so they can learn how to color and stay in the lines and all that. If you were a kid like me, you would just scribble out of the lines. Just to... Why do you have to color in? It's <laughs> a whole other thing I dealt with. But why are we giving 16-year-olds, 26-year-olds 
a safe space to color because they have not been taught and they can endure hardness. We have to be able to go through that as Christians individually and as a church as a whole. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The man also strive for mastery, is he not the crown, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partake of the fruits. Consider what I say. The Lord give the understanding in all things. Remember. I got off track. I got way off track. So I apologize. Let's go back to First Timothy, was where we want to be. I made a mistake. I wrote it down, right? I just flipped to the wrong chapter. Let's go back to First Timothy. I am sorry about that. Verse number, chapter number two, and, and let's start reading in verse one. I exhort therefore that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And here's the verse I was looking for. Sorry it took me so long to get there. For this, verse 3, is good and acceptable. And here it is. In the sight of God. I will see. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. Does that go up well, man? Can we lead a quiet and peaceable life? Can we live a godly life? Can we live in honesty in God's sight? He knows your heart on that. And that's acceptable. Let's try to do that as a, as a church family. First Peter 3. Good boy. Get off of this one quick too. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, you leave them a bunch of notes around the house. No. If any obey not the word, you type out scripture verses of all the things that he's not doing that he should be doing. Oh, no, it doesn't say that either. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, fear. I'm surprised it has gone from bad to like worse in about five years. The way these what, women just mouth off. My, my mother never spoke like the way I hear. I, don't, I just try to get off the, these news clips as quick as I can. I can't believe what comes out of some women's mouths. You would think guys on the job site would talk like that. Chase, how about chase conversation? It just means just talking without being rude and not being obscene or demeaning or, or sarcastic. Um, ladies, let your husband see that. And this couple of fear it just means respect and reverence at the end of that verse. That's all that means. Um, who's adorning, verse number three, is, is a good one. Who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair. See, so you can't plate your hair. You can't braid your hair and fold it over. 
Uh, and, and then the wearing of gold. Well, see, now you can't wear jewelry either. No, no earrings, no, no. Except at the end of the verse, it says, or of putting on of apparel. See, you can't, whoops. <laughs> you can't preach that. Because if you tell ladies not to braid and plate their hair, and if you tell ladies that they can't wear any jewelry, a necklace or an earring, or you got to be consistent and say, you can't put on apparel, and everybody knows that's not biblical. Look at the verse. Who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair. It doesn't mean you can't braid your hair. It means what's more important. And of wearing of gold. It doesn't mean don't wear your wedding band. Or don't wear ladies or jewelry. It just means if that's your deal, if you're just trying to adorn yourself outwardly and make a show or of putting on an apparel, it doesn't mean not wear apparel. It doesn't mean not wear gold. It doesn't mean not braid your hair. It means if you're going to put on apparel, are you trying to show off to people? Look how rich I am. Look how this I am. Look how blah, 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 blah. That's the issue. How do we know that? Look at it, verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. And that which is not corruptible, even the ornament. Now look at this ornament. Can you put this on like you could close? This ornament that follows in verse 4, can you put it on like you would an earring or a necklace or a wedding band? Could you put this on like you would with your hair and braid it and put a thing in it? Could you put any of this thing on? Look at this ornament. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Ladies, can any of you put that ornament on outwardly? You can't. But you know where you can put it on? And you know what God says? Look what he says. This is beautiful. Which is in the sight of God of great price. Our church needs meek and quiet, spirited women. This world needs more meek and quiet, spirited women. Why? Because in the sight of God, that's of great price. And it's a great value to a home. It's a great value to a community. It's a great value to a local church if we have women who are worried about what they look like in the sight of God. We need, we need that here. We need that everywhere. All right, we need to we need to close. In the sight of God, you can do some things in the sight of God and man. It will gain you some favor. It will not justify you. In the sight of God, you can do some things that are an abomination to God. Doing those abominations will not keep you from being justified before God. In the sight of man, you can gain popularity. You can gain favor with wrong motives. But God knows your heart. And you're not going to fake him out and somehow be justified before God by doing that. In the sight of God, you can speak in Christ. There's some good and acceptable things in the sight of God. It's of a great price in the sight of God to have a meek and quiet spirit. But doing all of those things won't justify you before God. You must be declared right. 
You must be declared just. You can be, you can have God's imputed righteousness credited to your account, but all the things we talked about can't merit you God's favor. Now, under Holy Spirit inspiration, we can live under those things. But doing those things outside of being justified by God, by faith, before God in his sight, we're going to have a problem. And this is what Galatians is about. You cannot be justified in the sight of God by law keeping or by good works. After you get saved, his Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all things. The evidence is clear. Let's go back and we'll wrap this up in Galatians chapter number three. We didn't get too far in this verse, but that's okay. Sometimes it's good to just stop, pause, and park on a, on a word or a phrase, which is what we did this morning. The evidence is clear. Look at verse three, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. Bible doesn't make it hard to figure out. For the just shall live by faith. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to get into some evidence. Let's close out. Let's close out. Let's go over to Romans chapter 3. Let's go back to Romans 3. Right if you want to be brought into a right relationship with God, you must be justified. Justification does not come by ceremonies, moral code of law. The Bible declares that you and I are sinners. The Bible declares that no amount of obedience of good works can restore you before a holy God. It is only by faith in Christ. Some people say they had a feeling. Some people say they made a profession. Some people say they have some knowledge. But the question I have this morning is, have you received the grace of God by faith in what God did? Romans chapter 3. And we'll finish with this. Verse number 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without law is manifested. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God hath set forth. To be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God. To declare I say. At this time his righteousness. That he might be just. And the justifier of him. Which. Believeth in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.